This podcast is brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. Yes, it is, mate. We are all done and dusted with the podcast royale now, and we are looking forward to Magic Round. We yeah. are. You know what that means? What does that mean, Josh? It means there's going to be thousands of people in the Caxton car park getting blokes down their throats. Thousands of people getting thousands of blokes down thousands of throats. It's going to be so fucking sick. Do you reckon there's ever been more blokes down blokes' throats? And women's throats as well In one place at one time Absolutely not Guinness, no. Guinness World Records were here They'd be breaking that record And there's not a place that I'd rather get a bloke down my throat Than the Caxton Car Park at Magic Round No, it's the greatest place to get a bloke down your throat So guys, if you want to get a bloke down your throat And you're not going to be at the Caxton Make sure you go to blokeatabar.com Put in your postcode on the store locator And find out where you can get some bloke Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The podcast this week is brought to you by Domino's. Yes, it is. Darcy, I'm going to throw some things at you. Okay. Star Wars. Sure. Lord of the Rings. Yep. The Hobbit. All things you enjoy. Star Trek. Mm, Not sure if you're a fan of that or not. They're great journeys. They are great journeys. They're big journeys. Yep. We're about to embark on another one that's about to go with them. In the history books. In the history. It's magic round. It is magic round. 2024. It is. Now, all great journeys need to be fueled by something. Fueled. You know what we're going to be fueled by? What are we going to be fueled by? Domino's Pizza, specifically the Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, I think we've mentioned this before, but I'm actually genuinely not uh, joking. When I talk about Klutzy being obsessed with the Philly cheesesteak pizza, the bloke would not fucking shut up about it when we tried it. Exactly. Look, I know that this weekend is going to be an absolute journey. Yeah. Okay? And I know the only way I'm going to get thrilled is if I'm fueled correctly. Yeah, smart so man. You're I'll an athlete. Be, yeah, exactly, an athlete. And my athletic choice is going to be Domino's Pizza, specifically the Philly Cheesesteak Pizza. Yeah. It will be fueling me through Magic Round right to the bitter end. And if you want to get fueled right to the bitter end, we recommend using the Instagram, uh, the code, sorry, the discount codes that are listed on our Instagram and in our Facebook group. The one we're bringing to you this week is BBB3DL, which will get you three pizzas and three sides delivered from $33. Look, that is just perfect for your magic round. That's like a pizza and a side for 11 bucks. Wow. Delivered. Delivered. That's obscene value. It's basically making money. Yep, it's magic. Once again, it's magic. It is magic. Boom, it appears. Yep, boom. That's how good the so delivery is. So make it appear this is. bloody weekend. Get some dominoes. And uh, thank you to the guys for supporting the podcast. All right, so guys, welcome back to another episode episode of Crushing Tins with Klutz and Das, and we've got our special guest today, Wade Curtis from Ballistic Brewing. How you going, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. That's all right. Thanks for coming on. Never actually met you before, so uh, <laughs> very thankful that you're happy to have a chat with us. Um, we're pretty excited. Yeah, I've been following the page for a while, so I kind of know the vibe. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, good. Hopefully yeah, it's a no, good vibe. I've been seeing you posting around. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. Uh, so first and foremost, mate, just uh, for all the listeners out there and for ourselves as well, just give us a bit of your background, like who you are, where you've worked, that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, you're at Ballistic now, but what's the journey to get there? 
Been like. Yeah, so I've been brewing or home brewing since about 2005, um, quite a while. Craft had launched a craft beer brand, which was Four Hearts Brewing in 2010. Um, yep. Just launched that locally around Ipswich. I actually live out past Ipswich in the scenic rim. Um, and yeah, got into brewing through after some overseas travel. And then, um, yeah, started as a hobby, turned into an obsession, um, started contract <laughs> brewing or gypsy brewing. And then, um, yes, then opened a brew pub in Ipswich in 2015, I think it was. So, yeah, um, yeah did that for a few years, went back to corporate life after um, selling my share of that. And then, um, yeah, ended up getting made redundant and on the hunt for a job. And then I started consulting to a few different craft breweries around Brisbane. And then finally ended up at Ballistic Christmas 2018, I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I've been at Ballistic for over a year now, which has been awesome. It's awesome. What's yeah. the... Um... Sorry, I've... I've... Sorry, Josh, I was going to say, what's the, what's the craft beer um, scene like in Ipswich? Um, oh, look, there was always one or two pubs that had a couple of taps. Um, there was a bar, well, there's bar, there's tap, which has got 71 taps, which is Jesus. pretty, pretty huge. I think it's got the most taps in the Southern Hemisphere. Holy smokes. About half of them are um, bow craft or cider or ginger beer or... Yep. Spritz yeah. stuff. But um, they do have a pretty decent range and they've got a decent bottle shop. And the guys that own that used to own the Umanto Tavern and that was the first place that I got put on uh, tap there. They had Ale House 24, I think it was called, which had 24 taps. So we're talking oh, like no. 24 taps in Ipswich in 2010, which was... That's um, pretty awesome. Probably a little bit ahead of its time. But yeah. um, they supported me really well and got the beers out there. And then after I got a bit of traction, um, then I moved into Brisbane, but predominantly started off local across about three or four different bars. Um, and so then when I opened my own brewery, um, they kind of saw me as a bit of a competitor. So they didn't yeah. put too much <laughs> on that, anyway. Didn't get you on anymore. We're oh, still friends. Um, yeah, oh, that's the main thing. And, but, mate, if we go way back, what sort of got you into your... You said you started off at, or had you always had aspirations to sort of get into the beer industry? Um, I never really had aspirations at the start. I was a career marketer and I worked for Smith Snack Foods and McDonald's and a few different other companies. And I just went travelling in 2001 um, hung around Sydney for the Olympics yep. and then went travelling and went to the UK, went all around Europe and did a ski season in Canada. And when I got back, I tried all these different beers from around the world. And I don't even think in Queensland, Dan Murphy's even existed. Or if it did, they only had like two stores. And so I'd go and try and buy yep. a cart in a hoe garden or something. And it was $130 in 2002. Yeah. Um, and... You know, they travelled oh, halfway really? around the world and it was just tasted a bit crap. So that's how I actually got into home brewing and I just, just went mental from that's there. That's pretty cool. So um, you like you wanted yeah. to almost taste those beers from overseas, but you couldn't really get them, so you just brewed them yourself. 
Yeah, that's right. And look, you know, like every home brewing story, it starts off with a lot of average beer um, and then slowly kind of gets better and better. And, um, you know, you eventually, I, there was a whole heap of online forums and stuff. So I just used to hang around those all night and work out what yeah. beers I wanted to brew and where to get ingredients. And craft brewer at Capella Bar was the main um the main home brew kind of supplier for people that were serious about home brewing. So they had a pretty good mail order and I spent a lot of money at that place. <laughs> yeah. It's paid off now though. Yeah, yeah. definitely. What was, the, uh, what was the first beer you remember making or like the first one that you thought was like, this is a bang on beer for me? Oh, look, I think it was probably, I mean, probably the best one first up is was a stout because like, Pretty much anyone yeah. can brew a stout. There's so many places for bad flavours to hide and all that. Like, don't get me wrong, there's some really good stouts, but then there's a few yeah, stouts. Yeah. Like, you can home brew a stout. And there's lots of places to hide. Um, so, stouts, and I was always trying to do the Hogarden clone, which has got a fair bit of um, freedom in there, too, using wheat beer yeast. You can have some funky esters. Um, chopping up, like, grinding coriander and putting in orange peel and that sort of stuff to try and get those flavours. So they were sort of my two go-to beers yeah. for quite a while and they were the ones I was trying to perfect. And then I tried to get into lagers um, and I was putting, like, four-litre ice cream tubs of ice on top of a fermenter in September in my garage with towels <laughs> over cool. it. I used to do my own Oktoberfest where I'd have, like, a wheat beer, a couple of lagers and a dark lager or a dunkel or something like that. So, yeah, it just, I don't know. I mean, not brewers, you have so many different sorts of favourite beers, I guess. And some, yeah. some work and some don't. And some are easy to brew and some are hard to brew. Just on that, probably yeah, sidetracking definitely. a little bit. I don't know if you can see it because of my background, but I'm currently enjoying the Mexican hot chocolate stout. Um, yeah, I nice. this, actually bought a couple of weeks ago. I was sitting in my fridge and I'm a bit of it like, oh, it just sounds weird, but it is unreal it's probably one of the weirdest beers i've ever had i don't know how to explain it like it actually is spicy but it's delicious yeah but it actually works like i had up until i tried this beer to be perfectly honest with you um i was never a fan of chili in beers i've always had like horrible experiences it's almost like a joke beer that like you keep in the fridge for the mate that you don't like and then, <laughs> yeah. and then watch him like you know run out the door or something um so yeah, this but this beer nails it. Like the, it's just really well balanced, and the spice is there. It's a little, little bit like a good ginger beer. It kind of yeah. is there in the back of the throat, and then it dissipates, and then you want to have another sip. Whereas a lot of chili beers, except for probably the only other chili beer that I'd recommend you try if you like that, is um, Garage Project DFA. I think. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. like a lemon lime chili kind of Thai inspired beer. Um, they have, that's probably one of the one of the other better uses of chili. But yeah, as a rule, chili and beer is not like my thing. Yeah, but it, it works. Yeah, I had one of these on Sunday night, so Easter Sunday night. Yeah, my um, Easter nightcap, and um, mm. yeah, it just hit the spot. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it all, just yeah. like the chili, but it's actually so good. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Perfect. 
Well, uh, yeah, so you mentioned that you're actually, you started another brewery uh, before all this, Four Hearts. So um, what sort of got you from the home brewing into Four Hearts? Um, I guess being, yeah, being a a marketer, I kind of, being a marketer and a home brewer combined, I guess I've always had this little bit of entrepreneurial thing ticking in the background. Um, And it's really cool working for big companies budgets but ultimately like you want to try and see if you can do it yourself Mm. and there was just no one in Brisbane doing it I mean when I started Four Hearts Gypsy Brewing um, there was Newstead Green Beacon had just opened like we're talking like not a lot of competition Mm -hmm. Um, Bacchus Mm -hmm. was going um, but I don't think there was that many more around the place Um, there was Sunny, Sunny Coast there was a brewery up there Sunshine Coast Brewery um, but it was all very much in its infancy and I just could see this huge opportunity for people that wanted to get into beer with flavour and it had already kicked off in Melbourne and I was going to Melbourne a bit and living in Sydney as well, you know, sort of sparked that kind of interest. So, yeah, that just, yeah. I just yeah. could see a bit of a gap in the market and I could see there were more people like me that wanted to have a better beer experience. So that's kind of what drove me to get into it. But then it took me sort of five years even to get there. Um, and then to open my own place was another sort of five years on top of that. So it was a slow burn. It's paid off though, definitely. I had three kids. Yeah, along the definitely. Way. But <laughs> far out, busy man. Very busy man, yeah. though. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, obviously had that for a couple of years. Is Four Hearts still going at the moment or? Yeah, it's still going. Still going well. It was still going really strong. I think they're only, you know, they're like everybody now. They're doing takeaway and selling tins. Um, so yeah, but no, it's it's going really well, and it's still. It was almost yeah. like it was yeah. an awesome experience because it kind of kicked off the hospitality industry in Ipswich again, and people saw that you could open a nice venue and have good products and 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 quality products and and attract a lot of locals, which was really good. Yeah, that's perfect. That's what you want at the end of the day. So you're sort of a pioneer in a way. For the, I guess uh, so, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it was like one of those things where yeah, a lot of people told me it would never work. That sort of stuff, well, which is so, pretty cool. Yeah, well, when people tell you stuff oh, really? doesn't work, um, then it just kind of drives you to make it work. Work harder. Make it work, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That must be so much more satisfying knowing that yeah, all these people are wrong and you've created this mad product there and got the beers out. So they're probably all drinking. Yeah, and we won we won gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, won silvers, bronze, and so we were putting out some really good quality beer as well, which was a big a big focus to try and get that quality and you know. Yeah, that's perfect. It's what you want at the end of the day is come with the accolades. It's just the, the cherry on the top, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's awesome. It. So we've, we've gone from four hearts. For, yeah. So we've gone from four hearts with ballistic. Now you've been there since Christmas, 2018. So um, bit of a gap in between, but did you see yourself getting back into the beer industry? Uh, look, I'd actually decided I wasn't going or to. Was it sort of just everything fell into place or. Yeah. Well, yeah, I decided I wasn't going to get back into it and I decided I was just going to be like, do the corporate thing, enjoy craft beer on the side, not get back into the industry. Um, 
And then I was literally, um, I found out I had a heart condition. And then two weeks before I had my, I was supposed to have an operation, uh, I got made redundant. So then I had like the rest of the year off from like October through to sort of December off. And I was just kicking around. Like no one hires anyone in the corporate world in December. So then I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I know craft beer and I was passionate about it. And all my plans kind of got flipped around. So I was like, oh, bugger it. I'm going to try and do some consulting. But unfortunately, lots of small companies in craft beer, they don't actually have the money to pay consultants. So um, <laughs> yeah. that didn't last for too long. There was a few little gigs there, but it was just enough to yeah. kind of, you know, pay for petrol money and beer money. Um, so, yeah, finding Ballistic was a bit of a lifeline, really. But they were at that point where they were looking to expand. And I just had a lot of experience opening a brew pub or you know with a big chunk of a hospitality business so that was yeah. on the cards for ballistic so i came on board with the view to help them manage that help them with their marketing uh, and then open a new venue which we did in october last year that's the yeah, um the so. springfield one springfield venue yeah that's right that's yeah. springfield so yeah that's awesome yeah, it's so good. So you guys had so you got Springfield or sorry, Springfield or Springwood? Uh, Springfield. Yeah, Springfield. I always get the two mixed up. Um, yeah, so you got Springfield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. It's the easiest way to remember. We hate um, Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Uh, so we got Springfield. Uh, you guys have West End as well. So things are looking pretty good for Ballistic. Um, I remember at where I work at Miss K's, we had a couple of your beers uh, for a while. But my personal favourite's the Dirty Word Lager. That's the first one I ever had from your beers. Yeah. So um, I'm a big fan of that because I like my lagers. But yeah, no, it's good to see. Um, yeah, Ballistic is going well. So suppose from that um what's what's sort of been your favorite beers you've had to make at ballistic or that sort of thing at the moment um well i don't do any brewing at ballistic i chat i chat to the guys about recipes but i don't really get my hands dirty yeah. which is um, which is good fun but um the best yeah. beer i was kind of involved in which was just me turning up and going out to lunch um was doing, doing um, the hard work, the most important work. Yeah, yeah. We brewed a beer <laughs> with the lead singer of Millen Colin. Um, I can't even remember okay. his name now. Um, but it was a raspberry. What the heck was it? It was a raspberry. There was a lot of raspberries in it. Sour Nipah. Mm, um, oh, wow. And it was an it was an awesome beer. And he's he's actually got a brewing company in um, Sweden, I think, um, called Wizard mm. Brewing. Um, so he's a legit brewer. He's just not like we just, you know, he's not just like a band member. A famous dude. Decided he wants to get free beer. He actually yeah. brews himself. Um, yeah. So that's probably the most interesting and fun and kind of quirky beer I've been involved in at Ballistic. And yeah, like I said, I just turned up and chatted to him, took some photos for social media, <laughs> and then went out to lunch. So <laughs> living the dream. That's, so that's what that's what collaborations are all about. Don't let any brew. There's always like either like a assistant brewer or someone that does all the work while the two head brewers sit around and have beers and lunch. (laughs) 
we wanted to touch quickly as well on um, yeah. on like the sound. Well, I suppose that's <laughs> sorry, Josh. I think we got a bit of a lag, so I keep cutting in over the top of you. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm lagging a little bit. No, it's all right. you go, mate. I was just gonna say we wanted to touch I'm on the I'm the one sets. that lives in the country with the dodgy internet. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> Josh, where's your place, mate? <laughs> Oh, mate, I'm in the heart of the city, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone else. I know what's going yeah, on. exactly right. Everyone, everyone's at home, so buddy oh, dad's back from working out in the mine, so he's got everything connected up. So um, I'm just Great. shooting him a message now just to tell him to stop working so hard. <laughs> and Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We hope it's Netflix, not something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we wanted to touch quickly on um, the sours that you guys produce because – Something that like sort of our, well, the main thing in our group is many of us hadn't even tried a craft beer before, like sort of the back end of last year and sours is something we've all discovered that we've loved. Um, and you guys seem to pump out sours left, right and center. Like I'm, I know I've had, I had the Christmas one you guys did. I had an apricot one. I've had another raspberry sour. Like, is it something that you're constantly doing or? Yeah. So all those ones are part of like what we call the twang series. Yeah. Um, so the Twang Sours, they just started off as being a, I think it was a name for like one of the first ones they did. And then uh, I think it was Lockie, the head brewer, came up with the idea that we were just going to keep that name Twang. We even keep the same barcode and everything and we just changed, it's the same alcohol and then we just keep changing the fruit. So you always, every sort of, I don't know, anywhere between two and sort of three or so months, we're changing the fruit. So we've just, at the moment, we've got apricot. We've just done pine lime, um, white peach. Um, we've got another one in the tank at the moment, which we're working on. Um, so like the whole idea is that it just becomes like a go-to sour. Yeah. So right. if you like sours, you know, all right, every couple of months a new one comes out. Um, there's in a, quite a few BWSs and things. And so yeah. it's easy for them. Mm. Don't have to keep going back and, rearranging it we just get we they just come back to us and say right we're going to order the next one and if it changes over to a different fruit flavor it just changes over and that in fact they like it because they just have to do one well, lot of ranging and they can get it so yeah yeah like and customers like that too like everybody wants to try different things so the Especially only problem if you like is, it and they're good beers like you know what I mean? Same yeah. beer, as you said different fruits uh, it keeps it exciting the white peach one's my personal favorite i love that one yeah, I really like the mulberry and we did, um, actually we did a couple of um, ones for our birthday, which was pina colada, um, sangria and something else. And they only really went, oh, watermelon mojito. Um, so oh, yeah, we're yeah. doing all like <laughs> different versions of it. So keep an eye out because we're going to start getting pretty funky with it. Um, yeah. Just trying to do things because it's so hard as a brewer to kind of keep coming out with new ideas like there's not only that many fruits in the world yeah um, sure. so you know we've got to keep trying to come up we just did another one which is a sour but it like with a little bit of a salty twist which is a watermelon gosa and yeah, that's, is that the watermelon we made that with, or whatever yeah watermelon yeah. so that's yeah. not part of the twang series but um similar type of beer as well yeah so, i haven't tried that one yeah, yet, but getting into them and we're just going to keep that going until as, as long as people are interested. And, you know, what I think sours are really that kind of potentially like that bridging beer for people that say they don't like beer. Um, give them a sour and they're like, Oh, is that a cider or it's got fruit yeah. in it? What is it? 
And um, it's really breaking down a lot of barriers around what people think beer actually is. So yeah, it, it really is. We've had um, a number of our friends, even Darcy's girlfriend, for example, she doesn't like beer at all. And we gave her a sour and absolutely loved it. It's, it's just, it's the beer to drink if you don't like beer. But as we were talking about it the other night, like for those, uh, for lack of a better word, beer nerds out there, they also really enjoy their sours just because it's something so different. But I think, yeah, yeah like sours are, that's the perfect way to describe it, that bridging sort of beer for people. So, yeah, uh, they're perfect I, for the climate. Personally, here like, well. I absolutely love them. Oh, definitely. We had a mate of ours actually hit us up and say, you know, I best enjoy my sours in the summer. How am I going to do this in winter? Well, oh, it's a good point. Go out, get a bit hot, and just try and recreate that heat. So, <laughs> You can keep enjoying them the same way, but um, but we're doing some cocktails with them as well. So there's a like we did a aperol spritz kind of version using twang. We've done some twang mojitos. Um, we did a oh we did a margarita I think with the watermelon cosa. Um, so, so like you can actually pimp them up a little bit. Maybe we yeah, should have a cocktail course, Josh. Yeah, do a cocktail stream with ballistic cocktail beers. That'd be yeah. perfect. Uh, that'd be so much. That'd be so much fun. Um, yeah, just going back a little bit again. You mentioned that you've done some, you know, collaborations and stuff like that. When I was having a look around, I saw when you were with Four Hearts, you did a a collaboration with Black Ops, and they mentioned in one of their blogs because we've been having a look through a fair bit of Black Ops stuff that they credit you for. Um, allowing them when they were gypsy brewers to come in and brew at Four Hearts. So how important is that collaboration in the industry? And um, well, yeah, how, how important is that collaboration, I suppose, with other brewers? Oh, look, I think it was, I think it's huge. I think um, like, you know, Bacchus kind of gave me my start and brewed for me. And so when other people were coming through and were talking about brewing, I was like, yeah, you can come and, and gypsy brew once i got my head around my system and i you know knew how it worked and i can control it properly i mean you don't want to be gypsy brewing or contract brewing for someone if you don't know what you're doing so you want to make sure yeah you get definitely everything sort of stitched up um but yeah i think it, i don't to be honest with you i don't see as much of it anymore i think the market's getting quite competitive and i don't i mean there's a little bit of it um but not as much. And I think also people, I don't know why, but it seems like people when they open a brewery now seem to be able to find the money to get the kit and all that sort of stuff. Whereas there was a while there where everyone was just scraping money together and mm. barely affording to do anything. And so gypsy brewing was a way to get your brand out there and test the market. And if you did, if you were trying to get investors, yeah. you could prove almost like a proof of concept here for a start and then you could sell it as well. So, um, yeah, but I mean, that's, I mean, I wouldn't have got anywhere. I mean, we ended up collaborating with um, Black Hops, um, Corumban, Your Mates, uh, Brutal Brewing, a uh, whole heap of different bars and stuff we did collabs with. Um, I think they yeah, were the even main recently, ones. A few other home brewers the, and all that sort of stuff. Recently, you did the... Um the raspberry sour and the sweet stout which you mixed together as well and that was a bit of a collab wasn't it with brewski and i'm trying to think who else it was i can't think. yeah it was um brewski and carwin sellers yeah 
Um, so the whole idea was that that you were supposed like you're supposed to like work out what your perfect blend is. Yeah. Um, I think was seventy percent stout and thirty percent sour was my perfect blend. We had a bit of a play um, around. Which is, yeah. yeah, I mean that beer's still kicking around a bit. Um, there's a few cartons left, I think, at each of the venues. But yeah, it's a really cool, interesting concept. Yeah, it was awesome. I remember. I, I got it and I rang Josh. I was like, we've got to feature this or something because it's just so cool. Like, it's literally the last thing you expect it to taste. Like, when you pour it in, you're like, there's no way this is going to taste any good. And it actually is awesome. Yeah. Exactly. It's almost yeah. like you need two four packs because you spend the first yeah. couple of cans dialing in the right mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly and then once right. you find yeah. the right mix, you're like, ah, oh, shit, I've got beers. none left. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you've had eight beers. <laughs> That's what. Uh, that's what blending's all about you know <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah exactly and just um just yeah. as well taking a step back just for people out there gypsy brewing is where brewers would come to you in your sort of setup location and use your equipment to brew a beer is that correct yeah that's right i mean any it was like a different some brewers wanted to brew all of it themselves other brewers would just give us the recipe and say for us to brew it so it just sure. sort of depended but I mean, yeah, some, and some might start off as giving you the recipe and then over time you learn a bit more and get to the point where, um, you know, we they sort of take assistance. over. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's uh, when we were chatting to Charlie from Helios, he said that they had uh, part of the Ipswich Gypsy yeah, Brewers I Club. Say, I, I think, think they were actually coming. Ipswich. Oh, the Ipswich Brewers Union, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, the and he brewers, said... Yeah. He said his biggest struggle was actually, you know, they gave him the recipe and they wanted to come in and do it and they were helping him do it. But his biggest struggle was being a brewer, stepping back and not tweaking the recipe because he said, you know, it's a good recipe. But as a brewer, you've still got that mindset where you want to make that perfect sort of beer or you want to have it to your taste. And yeah. I think he said that was his biggest struggle with gypsy brewing was... Um, you know, not taking over the whole operation and taking away from that experience for the brewers. So I feel as though that would be a pretty hard thing if hypothetically I think I ever got down that track, I would, um, yeah, I'm a bit of a control freak sometimes. So I definitely struggle yeah. stepping back. And Well, home brewers also tend to overcomplicate things. Like you're making your recipe heaps more complicated than what it probably needs to be. And so... When you're a professional brewer, you want stuff to be cost effective and simple and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So that was the biggest challenge I had going from being a home brewer to a commercial brewer was just mm. dialing everything in and, and changing your mindset around having, you don't want to have 20 different grains in a beer because you've got to open a sack of every single one of them. And some <laughs> yeah. of those grains you might never use again or you know, very rarely. So yeah, you just it changes your outlook on things, whereas it's easy to just muck around a lot when you're a home brewer. Yeah, perfect. It sounds just, um home brewing sounds quite fun, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, well, moving on a bit. Um, obviously at the moment is a pretty shit time for the industry. Um it's put a dampener on a whole bunch of different things. So what are some of the things that you guys have Done. I believe you might have been one of the first people to start up a drive-through sort of system for people to come through, if I'm correct there. Or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we um 
we've pretty much tried everything and uh, I call it the craft brewers pivoting playbook. Um, there's a few, I think there's a couple of things we haven't done, but yeah, we have just been in that, like we just wanted to get on the front foot. So we have yeah. you know, three venues. So we temporarily shut West End um, and then we've, we're focusing on Springfield. So Springfield, we're just running like a takeaway store and a bottle shop. And yep. Salisbury, we've got the drive-through bottle shop going on, which we just thought, one, it's like a little bit of fun and it's kind of quirky because a lot of people thought when we had a drive-through, you just pull up and like get out. But we made it so you could like just literally drive up to the bar. Yeah, that video. So what we shot on that so store on the Facebook is like, that's that's legit. That's really what yeah. you could actually do. That's actually to. so funny. <laughs> Yeah, so it was just good. I mean, we're just lucky that the, the warehouse is how it is. And then we've got involved with a couple of distillers making wash for sanitizer. Um, you know, we've stood up a online ordering system so people can order ahead. Our website sales, we've got that all activated. We brewed a special beer called Brew Unity, yeah. um, which we've been able to, um, you know, get out at a competitive price and uh, help mm. people like there's a lot of people out there that aren't flush for cash at the moment. And even if you do have a job, you're kind of probably a little bit nervous about what's happening in the future. So um, yeah, we're just trying to do, and, and we're still launching new beers and growing heaps of beers and trying to get our beer into more accounts and, and all that sort of stuff. It's just that now you don't have the yeah. bars to go to. So we're pretty much not producing any kegs at the moment. Either. It's all just going into cans. Yeah. Yeah, because no one can really sell from kegs at the moment, can they? Like, I know, I know a few places are doing, like, um, their own can fills and stuff, but... Yeah, so we're doing growler fills out of yeah. the um, bars, but, um, mm. yeah, we're... That's sort of... There's a few issues with that, so we're just looking at trying to get some disposable PET bottles so we can keep filling yeah. growlers for people. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, went to that sure. place, Josh, in... Um, in Albany Creek, what was it called? Witchcraft. They were doing like, it was almost like a milk bottle. Oh, Witchcraft milk bottle. at Albany Creek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a few places doing the milk bottles, which is good if you want to drink it that night. Yeah. Not that awesome. Carbonation and oxygen pickup and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I accidentally drank both of my liters in one night. So, yeah, you guys have had, you've had the drive-through where you could do... Um, how yeah so as we said like you guys are one of the first people to sort of start doing all this uh sort of things like was how soon after all this sort of stuff did you actually like go into this and we need to get onto the front foot was it was it challenging to get into that or did you sort of be Um, like this is what we're gonna have to do yeah like it was just one of those things that we just did because we had to do it and it's about um, survival and about keeping the cash flow going. So that was the main motivator. And, you know, there were certain things that we would have got a videographer to do, but we just shot it ourselves and stitched it together. And we knew that everyone would be kind of understanding about that, that they weren't expecting, yeah. you know, a perfectly produced um, piece of communication in the current environment. And, you know, even one of, we've yeah. just done another Thing that we'll launch soon which is just a, as, like instead of filming it we just got Lockie to talk to through zoom and we recorded that so i mean you know, it allows you everyone yeah. everyone knows that you know you're gonna have to do those sorts of things so um i think everyone's yeah, we doing just it as well a really good team and we're just trying to be flexible and 
keep it keep it going and keep it interesting for our community. Like we really want to be there for our community and the community support has been insane. Um, the amount of people coming in saying like, we just want to come in and buy your beer and have a burger or, you know, buy some merch at Salisbury. They just want to support us because they have enjoyed what we've been doing for the last few years and they don't want us to go anywhere and we want to be there to support um, our customers as well and the communities that we operate in. So, um, yeah, the takeaway food thing at Springfield's really growing and takeaway beer is like going going really well. And I think hopefully more people will get into it. I think more people are going to get into growlers because they've got, you know, some have got 10 now. But also I just don't think people think when you go to a restaurant or a brew pub that you can buy takeaway cans to go home. And we really push it hard and, our Springfield Pilsner sells really well in cans. Um, but now I think more people will want to purchase takeaways after they have a visit. So hopefully that's some of the good stuff to come from it. Um, but you know, the other thing is we don't know how long we're going to be operating like this. So we want to make sure we're doing, we've got to be ready to operate till, you know, maybe September or whatever. Yeah. Um, mm. So, you know, this, the new, things that we're doing need to be sustainable, which is why we just want to give as many things a crack as what we can. Um, some of it's going to stick, some of it won't, but ultimately, um, you know, that's business, you know, you've got to have a go. And I think a few people have said like, um, you know, before this all happened, you'd just take forever to launch a new product or you'd analyze the crap out of everything. Whereas now we're yeah. like, well, we're going to just launch it this week and see what happens. And no one's got a lot of expectations about it being, um, you know, perfect or anything. So the consumers are a lot more understanding. And I mean, at the end of the day, they're getting good beer. Um, so they really, really understand. Yeah. Especially yeah, when you're doing it sure. at prices like the, uh, the Brew Unity. I'm sure they're loving that very much. Yeah, that's right. I mean, some of the beer we moved because we just had so much of it. We had, um, you know, couple of tanks of our pale ale that was supposed to go into kegs that we had to can but yeah. the unity was one that we really put like a, a lot of thought into about how do we do this beer and 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 how do we give people good beer at a good good price yeah, yeah. that's awesome i was actually gonna ask i know you just covered it then and spoke about how everyone's been supporting you but has it just been overwhelming the support you've seen like i know as we said before we went to witchcraft and i kind of it was like a thursday or a friday or something it wasn't even the weekend and they opened at two o'clock and we got there at two and there's a line of people like around the corner waiting to get their little milk cartons filled so yeah the half price growler fills has been huge i mean people want to support local um you just need to give them an excuse i think and like our food offering at springfield um you know nearly half of the people that bought off us last week were repeat customers as well so people that are coming are loving it and they're loyal and you know, it's just, that's just, I think, one of the benefits of operating a little bit more out in the suburbs is that people appreciate that you could maybe open in any suburb and there's not a lot of other decent options. So they really want to want to support and even merch, you know, like people buying shirts and stubby coolers. And, you know, we've got so many growlers in people's houses now. So it's yeah, good that's awesome. brands getting out there and, yeah, people have been awesome. Hopefully it translates well sort of post-pandemic, post like people 
just continue to love and support. And as you said, you know, people are almost being more accustomed to takeaway tins and stuff like that. So it could, could work out all right in the end. Yeah, I think it will. And I hope it does because um, we've had a lot of people uh, out at Springfield that have said, Oh, we've been meaning to get here, but you've always been so busy and now this has happened. So we'll, we're happy to come out and support you. So some people's first visit out to us has been, you know, us there's you know, no one else doing there. takeaway booze and bloody $10 cheeseburgers. But, yeah. um, you know, they'll be blown away when they come and, and experience the full thing, you know. Yeah, for sure, the full experience. Fully. But yeah, it's good that you do have those sort of positives. I think, I know personally from where I work, we've had a massive... Um, massive support from our local community and it's it's interesting you mentioned about the suburbs as well like it seems as though suburban breweries in general or suburban venues are starting to become a real thing in brisbane um and the support that people get for them is just ridiculous like uh there's a bar down the road from us the woods and that place is packed seven days a week every night like it's just full like it's as you said, like those suburbs, people want to get around their local suburbs. So it's pretty cool that, you know, you've got new customers, but also those repeat customers coming in for sure. Yeah. That's, um, that's awesome. So um, I think as well, part of our thing that we had, um, wondering all time, what are your top five favorite beers? Just to sort of put you on the, on the spot there. Oh, I mean, I definitely think there's a perfect beer for um, a perfect time. And you took out a few of my own beers, but I have kind of... Well, I didn't know if you meant I wasn't allowed to say ballistic beers or if I'm allowed to say beers that I may have um, been involved with in the past. So I kind of cheated a little bit. Um, but I had on the top, the number one beer for me is um, Snyder Weiss Adventinus, which is... a like an imperial wheat beer. I think it's like 12 or 13%. Oh, it's like a, <laughs> like a liqueur wheat beer kind of crazy thing. You get it in a big, tall 500 mil bottle. It's got a purple label on it. And it was one of those beers that I first had. I'm a big fan of German beers and it's like the granddaddy of German beers. They do do another one. Actually, maybe it's only 9%. And they do another one called an Icebox. Um, which I think is the 13% version, which is just oh, yeah. a bit too crazy. It's like syrup, uh, alcoholic syrup. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, was that just like totally flips? So if you take like, okay, pre, for me, pre 2000s, drinking Aussie lager, to then mm. going overseas and trying these, you know, crazy beers in Belgium or Germany or something like that. Um, yeah, it's just like you can't get two things that are further apart. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was on the top of my list as one of my like go like all time. I don't. I think you can maybe buy it from the German club in Brisbane if you're lucky. Um, mm. Otherwise, I'm not too sure. I haven't seen a lot of it, so um, it probably comes in like limited shipments. You might have to go to um, Germany, yeah. Josh. Yeah, oh. Germany. You got to go to Germany, and you've <laughs> got to go to Oktoberfest. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard great things oh, about October October is definitely on the bucket list. It just seems like absolute mayhem. <laughs> yeah, and then the next beer I had on there 
um, is the Helios Black IPA. I think it's called Medusa. Medusa. Um, nice. Yeah, it's like one of the best black IPAs I've had. Um, and black IPAs shouldn't be roasted malts and like it shouldn't taste like someone added hops to a stout. It should you should be able to close your eyes and think you're drinking an IPA, but when you look in the glass, it's black. Um, mm. That's my personal opinion. Um, so that one's right up there for me. Um, the other one, and I got a bit of a soft spot for this beer because it was, I didn't act, I didn't, had nothing to do with the recipe or anything, but it was brewed at Four Hearts. And I love the style is the Black Hops Beach House, um, which they don't make as a regular beer anymore, but um, it's a Saison mm. style. And I used to play around with Saisons in my shed because you can basically brew them at about 30 something degrees and they don't produce any off flavours. The yeast is really tolerant to that sort of stuff. So I had Black Hops Beach House on my list. Um, now, this is where it gets a little bit dodgy because I've included my favourite beer that I have brewed but don't brew anymore, which is the Four Hearts Red IPA. Um, I'm a huge fan of red IPAs. Once again, I love a nice clean malt bill with the red colour and, and the hops like shining through. I don't like too many crystal malts. And so we played around with this beer. It started, it's had many iterations and I don't think it's been changed since I left. Um, but you get that beer fresh and it's got some awesome mosaic hops and some citra, I think, or Simcoe as well. And then you just get like this nice maltiness about it as well. So I love a red IPA as well. I hunt, hunt down red IPAs and unfortunately not a lot of people do them. And the ones that you do find sometimes are a little bit tired and a little bit too malty. And it's like a, an American red ale rather than like a red IPA. Um, and then I look possibly my all time favorite beer. Once again, I didn't, I don't think I had much to do with the recipe on this beer. You can claim it, it if you did. You can claim it if you did. It was brewed at Four Hearts <laughs> as well, which is um, Corumban Valley Brewing um, Breakfast Juice. I did have a lot to do with the decal, which was a ripoff of a Golden Circle Juice um, logo. <laughs> um, That's iconic. But the, the brekkie juice is just epic. It's think it's like eight percent the guys are i think the think the guys are brewing it again or they might have even brewed it again and i mm. think i missed out on getting a keg or a try of it but i took that beer camping once and i was about five meters away from the esky and someone opened the growler and i could i just sniffed around and i could smell the hops from about five meters away as soon as they opened oh, it yeah. um and it had some it's got some insane amount of hops in thousand liters like 17 kilos or something stupid Oh, um, shit. So, yeah, not an accountant's beer, um, but um, <laughs> just super, super hoppy, and, but not in a real bitter and astringent way. And, it, like, you know, it was one of those first beers that were played around with, and it must have been in about 2016, 17, where the word was just coming out on the New England IPAs, and it was supposed to be... New England IPA, but it kind of cleared up a bit too much. Um, so we didn't kind of tell too many people what it was, but it had the same principles of the hops going in three days into the fermentation to get what they call biotransformation, which is a whole bunch of different flavours and where you get that real juicy hop character without a lot of the bitterness. So yeah, that's my five. Um, I definitely so want to try that. I, that's that's really so I think 
check out their website because obviously now that's probably the only way they're releasing beers, maybe a few limited bottle shops and stuff. But um, yeah, it's definitely worth a try. It's funny. Someone actually, um, I put up a thing on Instagram last night saying, which breweries do you want to see us chat to? And someone actually said Corumban and they responded saying, yeah, we're keen. So hopefully we can um, have a chat to them as well. And then we can find out. Yeah. So I've not been up to their brewery, but if I do, I won't be driving. <laughs> um, I'll be camping the night. So. Good plan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, the fact that a breakfast juice is uh, an eight percent beer—that's just a great start to the day. Like that's uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining yeah, waking up and cracking to do list finished off. I'm if you start on that. <laughs> no, definitely not. But there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, <laughs> so we got your five favorite beers there. Now you also said about a time and place so what's probably your your favorite place to have a beer like either yeah yeah what's just your favorite place like a knockoff beer or just favorite place you've ever had a beer anything like that i think generally i've got probably one one broad favorite place is anytime you're on holidays camping or caravanning um I've not had too many bad beers when i'm on holidays um (laughs) at all um and then the other one would be just in my backyard. So we, over Easter, we had a, um, just a, I've got a vertical smoker I threw in some chicken wings and we all sat around that in the backyard, around a veggie patch out the back of our shed um, and just chilled out. And it doesn't really even matter what the beer is, to be honest with you, for those sorts of beers. So yeah, I think yeah. those places, and I mean, yeah, anyway, I've probably got about 50 favourite places. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. anywhere, anywhere where the beer's cold, I think, is, is a good place. Yeah. To oh, and the other place is at, at a brewery where the beer is made, I think. Yeah, where it's, it's fresh. Great. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. Uh, now, probably the last question. If there was one brewery or person that you could ever do a collab beer with, who would it be and what sort of beer would you have a crack at? Um... I think I'd, if I had a choice of anyone in the world, it would probably be um, Dogfish Head in the US. Um, okay. I've got no idea what the beer would be, though. Um, <laughs> it'd have to be something hoppy, either ho- something yeah. hoppy or something sour. So maybe a hoppy sour, which I don't actually really like that much. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I've... Re- I read that if you ever if you want to start a brewery and you want to read like a business book about it, get the Dogfish Head guys um, book about what's it called? Brewing up a business. Um, so okay. yeah, have a read of that. And like it just he was doing a lot of the stuff that breweries are doing now, you know, like barrels and all that sort of stuff way before it was cool. And they've got a sour over there now, which is like their biggest selling beer. And you know, it's just. They've done a lot of really cool stuff. And I was hoping, I was actually supposed to go to San Antonio in five days um, for the craft beer, uh, craft brewers conference. Um, yeah. But obviously that's canceled. Um, oh, and I wasn't going to get to go to Dogfish Head, but we're going to go and check out a lot of cool places over there. So yeah, maybe next year. As I said, maybe next year. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully next year. I got the chance. Yeah. I went to the States a few years ago. Um, got the chance to go to a couple of breweries over there, which was pretty sick. Um, 
Harpoon Brewery. Boston had a really mad beer scene, so I'd love to yeah. get to America to try out their craft beer scene. It just looks insane because at that time I was still just smacking back golds and northerns. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nah, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> exactly yeah, right. definitely. Well, um, at the moment, Wade, what can people do to help you guys out or find you guys at the moment? Give yourself a bit of a plug. Oh, look, I think the main thing really is just to um, follow us on social media. Um, and if you can, you know, buy our beer from wherever you can buy it, whether that's um, from a bottle shop, uh, from a, from our breweries um, or online. I mean, that's the real thing. But then I think, you know, that's the same for every brewery. Like I, I think, you know, we're, we're a really like pretty close bunch of people in Brisbane. So it's like just support any any brewery well like that you can really like and if that that's ballistic that's awesome if not if you've got another local brewery support them um because if everybody has that mindset of supporting their local then um you know it'll be a lot healthier on the way out and we'll all hopefully have some money back left in our bank accounts on the way out um you know to rebuild and to do everything that we need to do so yeah i mean yeah go to a local bottle shop independent if you've got one local and, and support them as well um but yeah online or if you can buy it direct from the brewery and their breweries if they're open um yeah just enjoy it and spend what you can afford but you know the support i think you won't go into a brewery where you won't get someone thanking you for this for your support so it makes you feel good as well so there's an extra extra benefit <laughs> the beer is also very fucking good <laughs> Yeah, well, that helps, right? <laughs> yeah, I've exactly. definitely had my fair share of ballistics, and I have never been disappointed. So, can second yeah. that as well. Yeah. Definitely, it's one of the things we're famous for. I think is get so many people saying, "Oh, I've never had a bad ballistic beer," and I don't think I have. So, yeah, must That's be a good something right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Wade, thanks so much for jumping on with us and chatting all things about yourself and about ballistics. So, guys, get out there. Do what Wade's told you. Let's get out to uh, all our local breweries and local independents and support them during this time with whatever you can. So, massive thanks again, mate. This has been Crushing Tins uh, with Bloody Brewing Beers. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Give them hopes. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Wade. Thanks for jumping on, mate. No worries. Enjoy. The podcast this week is brought to you by Domino's. Yes, it is. Darcy, I'm going to throw some things at you. Okay. Star Wars. Sure. Lord of the Rings. Yep. The Hobbit. All things you enjoy. Star Trek. Mm, Not sure if you're a fan of that or not. They're great journeys. They are great journeys. They're big journeys. Yep. We're about to embark on another one that's about to go with them. In the history book. In the history. It's magic round. It is magic round. 2024. It is. Now, all great journeys need to be fueled by something. Fueled. You know what we're going to be fueled by? What are we going to be fueled by? Domino's Pizza. Specifically the Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, I think we've mentioned this before, but I'm actually genuinely not uh, joking. When I talk about Klutzy being obsessed with the Philly cheesesteak pizza, the bloke would not fucking shut up about it when we tried it. Exactly. Look, I know that this weekend is going to be an absolute journey. Yeah. Okay. And I know the only way I'm going to get thrilled is if I'm fueled correctly. Yeah, smart so man. You're I'll an athlete. Be, yeah, exactly, an athlete. And my athletic choice is going to be Domino's Pizza, specifically the Philly Cheesesteak Pizza. Yeah. It will be fueling me through Magic Round right to the bitter end. 
And if you want to get fueled right to the bitter end, we recommend using the Instagram, uh, the code, sorry, the discount codes that are listed on our Instagram and in our Facebook group. The one we're bringing to you this week is BBB3DL, which will get you three pizzas and three sides delivered from $33. Look, that is just perfect for your magic round. That's like a pizza and a side for 11 bucks. Wow. Delivered. Delivered. That's obscene value. It's basically making money. Yep, it's magic. Once again, it's magic. It is magic. Boom, it appears. Yep, boom. That's how good the so delivery is. So make it appear this is. bloody weekend. Get some dominoes. And uh, thank you to the guys for supporting the podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 